Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. One really annoying thing about um, the world at large right now is that we can't any longer get sick and just brush it off. We have to live with like the paranoia and the neurosis of whether or not we have uh, COVID. Um, so right now I'm dealing with my, and uh, you guys know, and longtime listeners will know, like regular coughs. My body just picks up coughs and then it never gets rid of them. They usually hang around for a hundred days. And I, I, I get one uh, the beginning or in winter and I get one in like late spring. So this one tracks um, and like none of the symptoms other than just like the little tickle in the back of my throat like carry with uh any like covid symptoms and like i'm completely fine and it's been like two weeks like this like very obviously i don't have it but i just can't get it out of my skull and so now i'm gonna have to go get a giant swab stuck to the back of my my skull so i can feel better and uh not think i'm about to die yeah it gave crystal a nosebleed so have fun with that oh did it oh oh is they still doing the brain tickler as the test most of them yeah i think Uh, it's like the I'll take COVID over that. (laughs) (laughs) The videos, uh, uh, one of the PGA Tour Pro's caddies did like a a video on Instagram of it. And it like the Q-tip is like 15 inches long. It's it's Zidane Ochara's hockey stick. It is. Yeah, I I don't want that anywhere near my brain. No, no. Oh, well. Uh, yeah. despite those, those of you who don't like me as best intense here, you can't get rid of me that easily. Unfortunately. Sorry, Brad. Ah, well, well, welcome to the winged wheel podcast still around. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco and I'm Evan. Oh, three clean name introductions this week. What's gotten into you guys? I didn't have anything. There's, there's, I usually I base my stupid screen name here or my stupid intro off something relevant that's happened. Nothing interesting has happened. Like nothing. I know everybody's all excited about the hockey's back and that officially being announced. But for the most part, this wasn't anything we didn't know for the last few weeks. So it's like, okay, it's confirmed. Great. We're happy. But I mean, it's not, it's not a big to do. I was thinking about it earlier because I was thinking about Mike Green as a player and like where he's at now. And we'll get to that, of course. But um, I actually had to sit and remember about how good Mike Green was when he got traded, like where he was at in terms of like effectiveness on the ice. Like I actually had to sit and think. And I was like, man, it's been so long since we've talked about NHL players performance like now in real time. It's very depressing. Is by the way, is that the best return any team's ever got for two games of service? <laughs> Again, yes. we'll get to it, but it is like I don't care what the conditions were, like that's a free fourth round pick, baby. I, I know. And like of course we we all should have seen green opting out coming. I mean, the guy had what liver disease six months ago of course mm-hmm. he's at high risk nobody knows if max domi is gonna play because he's a high risk candidate because of his diabetes and i think someone was saying uh, like a couple hours ago four canadians montreal canadians players tested positive for covid so it's like oh my god we are not getting through this are we there's brad just blowing through our entire notes sheet <laughs> and we're on the patreon question called the transition ryan get on into board what- 
into which topic? <laughs> you can't, don't, make me, don't make me laugh this episode. I'm going to cough and it's not cool. The return to play, Ryan. We have a schedule, Ryan. Players have opted out, Ryan. Things have happened, Ryan. Not that interesting, but they've happened. Okay. All right. This episode, we're talking about a lot of things. Of course, we're going to return to play. We're at the point where I'm just mocking my own, <laughs> my own cadence. <laughs> we're in the middle of the damn quarantine. Nothing's happened. Let's just go. So... Uh, the NHL put out a memo or a statement or something, and it said, this is paraphrased, that the teams in this play-in tournament, by all effects, are considered to have played in a playoff series. Oh, and I was like, me. And I was like, okay, whoa, 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 because you've worked long and hard to to remind us that these are play-ins, not playoffs, and like all personal feelings about how objectively stupid that is aside – this has big ramifications because there's teams who are technically in play for Lafreniere now because of objectively stupid things. Um, their first round picks could be moved depending on this. Did they make the playoffs or not condition? I thought that they clarified, though, that this will not count. It, basically, the it will count as playoff statistics, but towards trades, it will not count is what I read. So, Yeah. They had to come out after and say, like, no, that we didn't mean for trades, because obviously that would blow the doors wide open. But you can see why it was stupid, because even I think it was the Canucks needed confirmation from the league to say, hey, I thought this didn't apply to trades. Does this apply to trades? And then they had to, like, give the the Canucks approval or uh, confirmation back. And then I think the Canucks ended up uh, relaying that to Thomas Drance, who was trying to find out. So. First of all, dumb. Secondly, uh, don't put out a statement that says these teams are considered to have played in a playoff series and then not include the words for the purpose, for the sole purpose of statistics. I'm pretty sure that line, like that, that, uh, statement didn't have that in it. Cause I read it a lot of times and I went, <laughs> okay, because this Minnesota just com- doubled their chances at getting. Lafreniere like this is huge this is massively important you the New Jersey Devils are all of a sudden back in play but then the NHL backtracked and said oh no it's play-ins for trades but playoffs for stats because we're the NHL and all we know how to do is trip over our own feet fantastically so like I I get it um it's not gonna be a simple answer these are weird times everything's gonna be weird but the NHL has this habit of being half pregnant on everything it's it's not rocket science here Okay, it's a play-in. This is essentially the end of your regular season. If you want to call it that, classify them as regular season games. Add, you know, Austin Matthews' goal total, for example, to it. Is he going to have an advantage to get the Rocket Richard over Ovechkin and Pasternak because their team's advanced? Sure. Who cares? Like In reality, that doesn't matter that much other than some performance bonuses, but players also get playoff performance bonuses. So it doesn't matter that much. And you could say, oh, well, is that fair for Pasternak and Ovechkin? Well, it's not fair when players get injured either. So, I mean, it just balances. It's, it's regular season or it's playoffs. And the NHL is the one league on the face of the earth that can make it both. Yeah, it's like, like you said, Brad, these trying times, TM... But, like, as much as you can, NHL, at least try to pick a lane. It's Schrodinger's format. 
It is both <laughs> the playoffs and the regular season. Just depends it seriously on is. It's it's just playoffs with air quotations around them. That's what these <laughs> it's are. <a> Doctor Evil. <laughs> playoffs oh man austin powers references are going out eh? like i i made that to someone i made an austin powers reference to someone this was like a few months back and they looked at me like i don't i was like really you don't get the yeah dr evil nothing no cool I, I no that's a sad day um so since last episode uh the predictable has happened which is that the cba that was agreed to by the nhl and the nhlpa was ratified by all voting members of the nhlpa with overwhelming positive uh or votes in affirmation of it i think it was like 79 percent of nhl members voted yes um so that was again to be expected because Neither the owners or the players really have the opportunity here to spend time um, in the mud slinging shit at each other because um, the game is at risk because of these trying times TM. So good news for us is that we get how many more years of labor pieces at six with no lockout? Right. Sure, we'll go with that. Why not? Two Olympics. Um, there were some minor things offered on both sides. The league and the players are going to suffer financially for a while, but then again, you have to keep it in your own mind how much you care about millionaires or billionaires. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is hockey has been um, guaranteed in a way, in the only way they possibly could. So that's been ratified, signed and sealed. The CBA is extended. And um, I actually got this question. I guess we didn't talk about it. No mention and no inclusion at all of uh, compliance buyouts. That very well may have been a thing if uh, the league just didn't lose billions upon billions of dollars in revenue. But that's not something that they'll be doing this time around. So here, here's a here's a question for you. Immediately, as a Red Wings fan, when you hear no compliance buyouts, eh, that's bad. But then you think about it more. That's good because it screws other teams too, which is when they're going to come to dump these bad contracts on us, and yep. thus this is how we're going to get the extra assets that we talked about so much last episode. So. Even though we'll be stuck with Abdelkader and Nielsen a lot longer than we would like to, it's still probably a, a net positive for the Red Wings. Yeah, the Louis Erickson stay on Vancouver, the Sutters stay on Vancouver. Um, all these bad contracts from around the league, they don't get to be just jettisoned off and have these teams. Um, it's it's a kind of unfair to say, but like continue to exist in their cap situation consequence free. I don't like saying consequence free because these GMs signed these contracts with like a very reasonable projection of what the cap would be one year out from now, three years out from now, five years out from now. And then, I mean, the world ended, um, but still huge bonus for Detroit. So yeah, of course you'd want to get rid of Abdelkader or Nielsen, but if you're able to clear up a like huge amount of cap space, like Eiserman and Holland before him to give credit um, have done with these expiring contracts, you can afford to hang on to the Abdicator and the Nielsen's throughout the rest of your rebuild. Although Abdicator may actually last longer than the rebuild. Ambitiously. Uh, ideally. Uh, yeah, ideally, because that means the Red Wings got their shit together. So uh, caps back and part or caps back. The CBA is confirmed. Hockey is coming back and return to play was a big part of it. The penalty free uh opt out for return to play has come into effect and we've seen that start to roll in um i have a list here of all the players who have decided to opt out of returning to the nhl's play in tournament slash um 
playoffs, even for, I think there was one, yeah, there was a Boston Bruin on here. So not necessarily just the plans. Um, and this has been interesting because not any massive, massive names yet, but teams have to deal with this. So we have Carl, Carl Alsner um, from Montreal. Correct me if I'm wrong, but was he not in Laval anyway? So he just yes. said, well, screw you guys. I'm going home. Yeah, essentially. Uh, Steven uh, Kampfer from Boston, the defenseman, right? Defenseman? Yep. Yeah. Uh, Mike Green from Edmonton. Uh, yeah, obviously he is likely immunocompromised in some capacity. And I, I believe his daughter is as well. I, I think his um, his baby had some health problems that I saw on his Instagram six or so months ago. So that probably was the biggest reason, truthfully, why he opted out. Yeah. Uh, Roman Pollock, which we knew about a long time ago. Sven Barshi, which is another one who's, uh, he was more or less in Utica than yeah. Vancouver this year. And Travis Hamanick in Calgary, um, which is a pretty significant one, honestly. Yeah, he's probably the most significant one so far that is not going. Um, and I just want to put this out there now. There will be no kind of judgment or breakdown of these players reasoning for this that's not necessary i i will never have an ounce of criticism for a player who decides to opt out during this and this for the sake of their own safety or their family's safety or their peace of mind even if it's that so that's not what this is just instead discussing what this is uh the players that are opting out oh but you know they'll be 400 mouth breathers on Twitter oh. going, oh my God, he's not a team player. Like if Max Domi doesn't opt out, some guy from Laval will be like, oh, he doesn't even want to win. How could he not want to win the Stanley Cup going in there as a 24th seed playing Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins and he has diabetes. So if he catches it, he'll probably die. But oh, he want mm. Not NHL material. I, you know, it's going to happen, Miss Dave twenty one o thirty six five four three on Twitter with an oh, oh my! I made that very stupid joke on Twitter about the Red Wings not um they they opted out of the play ins and then I got I got the like Bill seventeen numbers after it saying Red Wings suck. They wouldn't have made it anyways. Yeah, hell yeah, yeah. Bill. That that was You're right. You you're just get, you're right. I you have him, I have the McBain in front of the brick wall from The Simpsons image saved on my phone, and I get so much use out of it. <laughs> it's like the Red Wings have opted out of the playoffs. Well, yeah, they weren't going to make it. That's the joke. Red Wings suck. Go Hawks. Thank you, Dale seven nine nine four two three five nine. Is that a is that a social insurance number, Dale? Thank you for that. <laughs> Bot. Hey, Dale, uh, just a quick question. What's your mother's maiden name? <laughs> it's also Dale, funny enough. It's just a family of Dales <laughs> uh, related to Anton Lundale. I don't like that. I don't cross over a couple of podcast memes there. Nope. Like that, Evan? Did that one for you. Thank you. Evan is not. Mm. I told Evan that I would be. I've uh, moved on from my Antel Lundale repetition joke. What's the next one? We have to wait and see. I don't know yet. What's our next give draft? Magicians don't give away how they come up with their magic tricks it's or their magic con- tricks. You're not a content creator or anything. Do you don't consider yourself a content creator? No, not at all. I <laughs> consider myself an amateur golfer and a wandering lost soul. <laughs> <laughs> I've never met anyone who wanders less than you. You're just so content to sit in one place. I'm a big fan of routine. Brad wanders. I wander like I pace you just sit you're just 
Happy as a clam. Yep. I don't wander. I'm chasing someone usually. <laughs> hey, <laughs> Two put that people. down. Mika, get back in the house. I always ask Brad uh, stories about the kids because A, I miss them, and B, because they're hysterical. Because he's like, oh, yeah, today was a rough one. Mika's having a meltdown, and Hank was just being an asshole. And like, just the thought of like a seven month, how old is he now? Eight, uh, eight months. Like, he's like an eight month old just being an asshole. <laughs> it's just hysterical to me. Man, that kid is huge. Oh, yeah. Thick with two C's. He's a big boy. I ordered the onesie and uh, I picked the biggest, like the oldest age range because I'm like, he's going to be there like next month in terms of size. He's uh, uh, just upgraded to 12 month uh, onesies and sleepers. <laughs> hey, do you have enough money for groceries? What's that kid eating? <laughs> Don't worry. He's already sponsored by Alabama. They're trying to get him in. Early. He's just. He's just eating those uh, that weight gainer powder that you get at Popeyes. That's that's all he eats at this point. Brad, you better hope he has your brains. That way, he doesn't have to feel bad about going into football because all the knocks to the head won't really do much damage. Oh, he make is a ton uh, of money. No, but seriously, he's going to be like six foot seven, two hundred twenty pounds. If I can teach this kid to skate and crash the net, we're going to be rich. You understand that when that kid is like of an age where he can start to understand humor, Evan and I are just going to relentlessly um, co-opt him and his humor into making fun of his dad who's shorter than him. Oh, yes. yeah. That's probably going to happen already. He's He already does it in his own way. He's discovered yelling. Not that he's upset. He'll just sit there, stare at you and go, ah. Is he my cat? <laughs> yeah, he's Fred. He just yells and we don't know why. Have you seen Frank and uh, Frank and uh, Frank Hank and Fred in the same room? No, no. Is uh, yeah. Well, it doesn't help that I don't know Evans. I always forget Evans' uh, cat's actual name. Alfie. So I always mix. Yeah, Alfie. Don't know why you do that. Uh, back to opt outs. Uh, Mike Green, like you mentioned, Brad opted out. So the Red Wings, um, the pick that they get in exchange for Mike Green is confirmed to be a fourth round pick. Um, it would have been upgraded to a third if Edmonton made it to the conference finals and played in 50, and Green paid, played in 50% of the games. That won't be the case now, so it's confirmed a fourth. I saw some people upset about that. And all I can say is, look, <laughs> Steve Eisman got a fourth round pick for two games worth of a player. Sure, it's not a third, but what an amazing return on investment fourth round pick in a deep draft odds are it won't be anybody relevant but it could be it's an extra swing is it anything to write home about no tiny victory absolutely and it could be an asset for a trade-up because um in the mock draft that we did with uh max and prashant that was actually the pick i threw in to get up and get lucas reichel while we were doing the uh oh yeah by the way after was we did that before Bob McKenzie's rankings, and y'all judge me for how little I, I jumped up to get him. And then McKenzie's rankings came out, and Reichel was like 10 spots ahead of where I picked him. I know. I know. <laughs> that was the first thing I thought. when I, I think he was at 19. I was like, oh, Brad's going to be smug about that. Oh, yeah. I, I actually say that quite a bit. Like, oh, frick, Brad's going to like that shit. Hate that. No, I'm not happy that McKenzie ended up there, <laughs> that he ended up there, because it means the Red Wings don't have a chance at getting him. <laughs> Uh, did you guys see the schedule that's been going around about return to play? Yeah. Well, like, if if you sit down and start watching hockey at noon, you could literally not move for, I think it's 11 hours and watch hockey straight. Like, I, get- hate, I hate the playing round. I hate how the draft lottery ruined it for me. But on my days off, you're joking if you think I'm not sitting there for 11 hours and watching this. 
I'm just so excited to see hockey again. We get to talk about players and how well they played and results from games. Oh, man. We get to have that existential crisis of do we want the Leafs to win or lose because we don't know. Yeah, this playing round is going to have so much intensity to it just because of the Lafreniere lottery. Oh, yeah. Teams are fighting for the bottom here. <laughs> um, and the la- sorry, the last thing about the opt-outs, you mentioned Max Domi. There, though the deadline was like, I think today at five or something like that, um, the Canadians and Max Domi agreed to a seven-day extension on his decision. It's very obvious that he wants to return, but he wants to evaluate the situation first before making any kind of commitment. So it's good that the team said, yeah, let's handle this smart and let's not force a decision right now. So they're going to wait another seven days. Um, and consequently, multiple Montreal Canadians have tested positive, like four of them. So yeah, Max, sit this one out, man. Now, Montreal may upset a round or two, but they're, they're not going to the cup, buddy. Don't kill yourself because half your teammates were probably on uh, St. Catherine Street, Montreal, contracting COVID and possibly other diseases. Just <laughs> sit it out. Actually, you know, it's weird though. I haven't. All this talk's been about Max Domi, whether he's going or not. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Capo Caco has diabetes as well, does he not? And I've heard yeah. nothing of him yeah, if I he's playing or not. Either. I don't. I, like. I don't presume to know everything about these players' conditions, how well it's managed, the severity of whatever underlying chronic condition they have, and that's not something I like to speculate about. I the general notion I go with is like. Domi's the conversation that's coming up. He's the one that's talking about it publicly. The teams are talking about it publicly. I I don't know. Didn't didn't Capocacco like burn? Was he injured at the end of this season or at the end of the season? How how I, that was years ago. I can't remember that. <laughs> no kidding. Anyways, uh, it'll be an interesting week to see how that levels out. But for the most part, I think the resounding um, option here has been that most players are almost like universally all or almost universally all the players are coming back like four or five might sit it out but it's not really a, a significant number uh you want, just while i was talking about years ago you want to hear something that dawned on me today you remember how many times during this quarantine we've joked about uh when robbie fabry blew Morazic up yeah that was the last game they played yeah yeah wow. that oh, yeah. feels like it was five years ago that was such a fun game too they lost I, but- yeah, who cares? <laughs> we saw Robbie Fabry just say, oh, whatever, and just blow up Peter Mrazek. We saw Tyler Bertuzzi drag two Carolina Hurricanes players on their backs on the ice. We saw Anthony Mantha kill a guy inadvertently. Oh, man. Can't believe he avoided jail time on that one. <laughs> I can still get, That's the, easily the worst call of the year. Anyways, um, over to the Red Wings. So, of course, we're going to keep talking about possible cap targets for them, but a non- uh, I would say cap target in terms of like they're taking on a bad contract, but possibly one where they can get them at a discount. Brock Besser is rumored to be on the market to create cap space for the Vancouver Canucks. So um, I, I got to clarify one thing because I was one of the first ones to go on Twitter and be like, hey, now here, because everybody tweets at me a million and one trade scenarios that don't make any sense. I see Besser on the market, who's only, what, 23, 24 years old. He was in the same draft as Svechnikov. Um, And I go, hey, here's a trade target that could actually make sense. And I had three types of people responding to me. One, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, Two, uh, look at all these analytics that say he's not as good as he actually is. And three, we don't have anything for him. Uh, 
to the third group of we don't have anything to trade for him. Yes, we do. What you mean is we don't have anybody you're willing to trade for him because our prospect system's pretty loaded and Vancouver would be offloading him to gain cap space, meaning they're probably not taking a roster player in return. So we have the ammo. It's just whether or not you want to. The analytics group is saying this guy is not a franchise changer. He's, you know, he's a, a good second liner at best. Well, he makes $5.8 million for the next two and is a restricted free agent after that. He's getting paid like a good second liner. So, okay, that's fine with me if we, as long as we give up a second liner's worth of assets. Sure, I will argue his ceiling is higher than that because he's battled some injuries. The counter argument against me would be, well, those injuries might limit him. Fair, but depending on the cost, worth the risk. He and, had that brutal hip injury, right? I believe so, yeah. Um, so... And, and I mean, he's a right shot, lethal goal scorer. We, we've been talking about drafting guys like Tyson Forster because they could fill that role on the, or Alex Holtz on that right, on the left side of that power play. Brock Besser solves that problem. You could then address a more immediate need in the draft or whatever you want. So then you throw in the big caveat to this. Well, what would Brock Besser cost? I would say a really good prospect and probably a pretty good pick. You're probably looking at like, not necessarily from this draft, but the Red Wings second round pick, which will be pretty damn close to 32. And you're probably giving up uh, a Valeno or a, I don't know, pick pick your good prospect here that isn't Cider or whoever they pick this year. But how much does that price come down if Louis Erickson comes back as well? There it is. So here's an opportunity like Brad alluded to there, which is you generally aren't going to try to go out and acquire good players right now because your team is a so far out from being good and B you want to save that cap space um, to try and leverage teams and to give you great assets in exchange for alleviating their, their financial concerns. But Brock Besser could be a foundational piece and he's young enough where it would make sense even if he's even if this rebuild takes four more years, it still puts him in a pretty healthy with a pretty healthy amount of like prime level productive years, or at least close enough to it where it would be worthwhile. The Red Wings have the cap space to retain him. And let's be real, a consistently good second liner with first line upside is easily one of Detroit's best players. Yeah. You, Brock, Brock Besser is what, the at worst third best player on this team right now? Yeah. If you if you get a Brock Besser type and then you get another good center say in this draft or through some other means next draft or whatever that top six on the red wings is looking really healthy and you got them at a reduced rate because like brad is saying you take on instead of giving them a, a valeno or instead of giving them a second round pick you can knock down the value say from a valeno to a Berggren or a second round pick to a fourth round pick and you also take on louis erickson that's not like the actual value weight there of those two things i'm just kind of giving you the general concept this is that rare scenario where you could get both add a player that could help your team now and it would make sense because you wouldn't be compromising your ability to leverage the cap your cap space to improve like in the player bucket like we talked about in the past so it's a little bit of hypocrisy from us because everyone has given us a million scenarios where you're like can we acquire this good player, this good player? And we're just like, nah, yeah, but does it really make sense? This is one where it's like that little unicorn where it fits all of those criteria. And and if you're sitting here like I was when this news broke and go, well, why 
Is Vancouver even considering trading Brock Besser? Benning. I thought I thought that as well. And I know Jim Benning does some weird things because uh, he's paying like he, he might be paying his fourth line more than our fourth line, which is really saying something. Um, so I went around to uh, Canucks Twitter, Canucks beat reporters, yada, 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 figure it out and find all the reasons I could as to why this might be happening. And then uh, getting the obvious oh my God, they're in cap hell and have so many bad contracts out of the way. I'm like, yeah, but he only makes 5.8. Surely that can't be the biggest problem on the team. And then the logic I saw was, well, Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson are going to need new contracts soon. They're getting a big raise. Okay, I get it. Uh, They'd like to keep Jakob Markstrom. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, you got Demko, but sure, Markstrom is a dark horse heart candidate this year for the season he had. Okay, I'll give you that. And uh, the Canucks would, uh, Jim Benning has said they would really like to keep Tyler Toffoli. You know, Tyler Toffoli, uh, a slightly less older version of Brock Besser. Oh, Jim Benning. I mean, if you want to go through the hilarity, just look at what Jay Beagle and Brandon Sutter and Antoine Roussel and Louis Erickson are making, and then Brock getting rid of Brock Besser is the solution. It is just, if you really want to keep Tyler Toffoli, here's your answer. Keep Tyler Toffoli, but rename him Brock Besser because he's <laughs> younger and better. Here, this is such a, I, it's one of those topics where I can't believe it's divisive because it just happens time and time again to these teams. Red Wings fans know it because it happened with Ken Holland and the Red Wings, and that's why we're in the hole we're in now. When Vancouver signed these contracts, when they brought on Antoine Roussel and Jay Beagle, I believe those were the same summer, right? Uh, yes. Three million. They had a few head scratchers. Yeah, and we talked about it on this podcast, and we actually had... Vancouver fans who somehow got wind of it, which is always a good time. And Red Wings fans telling us, like, it's not that bad, guys. Like, it's not that bad. Like, these players play an important role. And it's just like, look, they're not – nobody's saying they're bad players or they don't have value to a team. But this is where it burns you because you have – you're the Vancouver Canucks. You've struck gold more than once with – Pedersen and Quinn Hughes and credit to their, their, their scouting team for sure. Hell yeah. You guys deserve it, but you have now avoided the pitfall of a, a terrible rebuild. You just have to be able to make it out of this and pay those players and build around them. And all of a sudden you're, you're talking about trading what should be one of your core, if not ancillary to your core pieces in Brock Besser because you're paying uh, $3 million to Jay Beagle, $3 million to Antoine Roussel, 3.75 to Tanner Pearson, 4.375 to Brandon Sutter, um, and $6 million to Louis Erickson. Oops. Don't forget about Tyler Myers. Oh, which... Oh, and don't forget Michael Furland, $3.5 million. You got to scroll all the way down to the long-term injured reserve to remember that one, too. He is, like, their bottom six forwards, like, literally average over $3.5 million per player. Per player. It's like we laugh about Nielsen and Abdelkader being down there, but we have enough guys in our bottom six that are young that don't make that much. So, like, Christopher N. makes nothing. Uh, Adam Ernie and Brendan Perlini, but made nothing. So it's like, yeah, we have some bad contracts. Literally, Vancouver's entire bottom six is terrible, overpaid. And now the rumors going around that Brock Besser 
unloading Brock Besser is the solution. And out of all these players, too, like, oh, my God. And, and let's not forget. Let's not forget that it was just last season the Vancouver Canucks put Quinn Hughes into a couple meaningless games at the end of the season to burn the first year of his DLC. <laughs> So his next contract is now due up sooner because they were hoping to save money. And then Quinn Hughes goes and smashes every rookie defensive record they've had. Oops. So are you not only are you not getting a discount, <laughs> that not discount you're getting is coming up sooner. So for all the people who are upset we didn't defer Zadina's contract, it does backfire sometimes, guys. I... Uh... The Tyler Myers things blow. Tyler Myers thing blows my mind because he played terrible hockey leading up to his free agency. On the ice, like the eye test, underlying numbers, everything was just like, "Hey, maybe Tyler Myers isn't worth six million dollars for a lot of years." And Jim Benning was like, "Hey, come live in Vancouver and make a ton of money at thirty years, starting at thirty years old, and then just play like crap for us, please." I actually don't even know how he's been in Vancouver, but it's not been $6 million over the next several years. Good. Um, four more years after this season. But to be fair, uh, you have to make $6 million a year just to be able to afford a townhouse in Vancouver. Yeah, that's very true. And these are US dollars, so it does go a longer way for, for the Canadian. Oh, he might get a semi. They might get that <laughs> two-bedroom and a den. Ooh, ooh, and a den. Tyler. And a den. You. Um, the... This is why we scream, don't overpay depth. If the, and I'm going to make one of those stupid statements where it's like, if the team wasn't as good, they wouldn't be as good. But let's pretend the Vancouver Canucks didn't strike gold with Pedersen and Hughes and they got slightly worse or like not superstar level players from those drafts. Make no mistake, this would be a bottom feeding team. They have, they have good pieces, of course, but without an insane return on value for the draft picks that they had, this team is not built like a winner. They are being dragged forward by the superstars, which is great. Good for them. Like not every team is going to be built like the model franchise, but the reality of the situation is they have more albatross contracts than they can possibly do anything with. And Jim Benning is in a tough, tough spot without a proven history of not repeatedly making the same mistake. Vancouver gives us Red Wings fans hope because they are bogged down with a million bad contracts on depth players have fallen back in every draft lottery they've participated in but because of just stupid luck hit a few superstars in the pick five range so maybe just maybe that's us this year at pick four are we the Vancouver Canucks I'll do it (laughs) I'll do it. I'll raise our, our, our home prices and, and cost of living here just for just for that. If you can guarantee us an Elias Pedersen level of player at four in this draft, you can change our colors to <laughs> green and blue for all I care. Yeah, it's fine. Um, anyways, so it's good. it gives Detroit hope for that reason, or it's good for Detroit for the purpose of giving us hope. And also because now Steve Eisenman can prey on a very uh, desperate Jim Benning who is in need of uh, unloading. He really needs to get rid of Brock Besser's shooting talent. Mm. Uh, I saw Besser's underlying numbers, and yeah, they're not phenomenal. But at the same time, like you said, like injuries have hampered him, and and he, at, no matter what how you cut it, he shoots at a disproportionately high level. Like he is a a very good shooter, and you cannot have enough goal scorers on any team. But if you're going to add a good second liner to this Red Wings team, and they're a great shooter, 
amazing. You no longer have to rely solely on Mantha and then Zadina in the future. Yeah, and I mean, Brock Besser, again, can't stress this enough, is 23 years old. There is reason to believe there is at least room for some improvement as to what he is right now. All right, let's head over to our prospect profile. Uh, we decided to pull a little bit of a fun one for you guys here and pick a higher-end prospect to talk about. Um, and this is one that I think is very much in the conversation, whether some people like it or not, and a very intriguing one, and I think is a player who could rise. Um, and most notably is a player who I have to constantly remind myself, uh, their name isn't Raymond Holtz from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It is Alexander Holtz. So the... Uh, Phenomenal shooter in this draft. That is who we'll be doing for a prospect profile today. Brad, take it away. Ah, uh, Alex Holtz. The Lucas Raymond situation, but in Jurgarden. Um, playing small role, had actually good numbers. Uh, he, he got a bit more ice time than Raymond did and thus put up a bit better numbers, got a lot of power play time. We just spent a lot of time talking about Brock Besser, so we could overlap a lot of that conversation with Alex Holtz because right-handed shot, elite shooter, um, all right, skater. Uh, although I think Alex Holtz, because his shot's so good, um, get sold short on his playmaking ability. He actually is a, a very skilled player and can play a, a skill game in the offensive zone and off the cycle. Obviously, when everything's going his way, that's not what he's doing because people are getting him the puck to shoot, but he can absolutely work it the other way. Like most 18-year-old high-scoring forwards in a pro league, his defensive game leaves a little to be desired. I don't think... There's like what, three forward prospects in this draft that we can say, oh, yeah, their defensive game's great. Um, but, yeah, I, I like him. Um, I wouldn't – he wouldn't be my pick at four, but I actually wouldn't be that upset if he was because he does fill a direct need, assuming we don't trade for Brock Besser because that would render that point moot. <laughs> but he he is in play, not just because of the need at the Red Wings, but because depending who you talk to, he's – a top five talent. I think I've got him at seven or eight on my board right now. So he, he's not far off. He'd be, I, I think in a lot of like weaker drafts, Holtz would be a guy you're talking about at second or third. Like you, we talk about the kind of player you want with a top end pick in the first round is a, is someone who has elite skill sets. This guy's an elite shooter, likely the best shooter in the draft. He can shoot from a lot of different spots on the ice. He's not kind of tied down to one spot. And the thing is, he puts himself in the right position for those shots. Not only is his shot amazing, he knows how to put himself in the right position to get the perfect shot. Um, extremely intelligent offensive player as well. His hands are phenomenal. Um, he's, he's like really not too shabby at all playmaking either. Um, as in terms of like a, a dual threat, if he learns how to kind of lean on that a little bit more and and throw defensive coverage a little bit or, or make goalies and players guess whether or not he's going to like, you know, backhand sauce the puck or, or take a quick snapshot, that's, a, that's an elite offensive threat. Like you mentioned, not a lot to be said about his defensive game, but uh, decent skater. I, I have no problems with his skating either. Um, he's the kind of guy where... If the Red Wings drafted him, I would say, yeah, that wasn't who I thought it was going to go, but I'm pumped about this elite shot on this team. Yeah, you can never be upset by someone who's an, just naturally a good goal scorer. And yeah. by all rights, he has all the tools to score goals at the NHL level. So if 
you need anything more certain than that. I, I don't think it it could really happen from a goal scoring perspective, but probably not who I'd who I'd have at four. So that's a little high, but some team's gonna really really like him in the top ten. My hot take is I want the Red Wings. If not, you know, Raymond or Rossi or whoever we end up preferring. I would prefer Holtz over Drysdale for the Red Wings. I could see that argument. I, I don't know if I'm there yet, but yeah, I could see it because it, talent-wise, I'm I'm not too far off between Drysdale and Holtz. Um, just, just looking through his Elite Prospects page here as it is, I think I found my favorite stat split from any prospect this year in uh, – 35 games with Jurgarden in the SHL this season. He had 16 points, nine goals, and seven assists. In three games <laughs> um, in the Super Elite Junior League, he had seven goals, two assists for nine points. So they probably He's... said to, he was in junior for a bit. Just made a statement and kind of, I imagine, just called the GM of Jurgarden on FaceTime and just stared at him. After his yeah. third game there. <laughs> the uh the Holtz, I think, is one of those players who can who could jump up. I believe the Swedish Elite League is playing some games or they're they're hoping to play some games before the NHL draft starts. It's about a month's worth of games. Not quite, but close to it. So you're we're likely, or at least projected, we don't know how things are gonna shake out, obviously. Uh but we're gonna see Raymond Holt <laughs> shit. Alex Holtz and uh, Lucas Raymond, these guys are going to get some more ice time. And it could be some more prominent ice time. It's not going to be a huge sample size, but it might just be enough to stir the pot. Um, as we know with NHL drafts, things get silly. And with NHL drafts where you don't have a combine, you don't have you know a big swath of games that, that scouts would have wanted to use for data and, and for decision making. And then you're going to have some uh, exposure bias. Like if we're only watching the DEL and the, the Swedish league, you're going to see Stutzla jump up probably in terms of people's rankings. You're going to see Raymond jump up. You're going to see Holtz jump up. Like that's kind of how it works. And even it, it happens for, for us, right? Like we watch a player more and more and we naturally move them up the rankings. And it turns out we were just watching him more. So I don't know. I, I would not be surprised to see Holtz jump up. I, I don't think there's, a realistic chance of Holtz jumping into the top three. I think Lucas Raymond is probably the most likely outsider to jump into the top three in my mind, but don't be shocked if he goes to Detroit. Don't be shocked if he goes fifth. Who's drafting after Detroit? Ottawa. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Ottawa has three and five. Um, yeah. I, I, that to have an elite shooter, like the highest graded shooter in the draft, that is worth so much. It is the single most important talent a lot of scouts will tell you and a lot of gms a lot of coaches is they want goal scorers they want guys to put the puck in the net that's what counts at the end of the day so if ottawa wanted to get weird they could reunite the terror twins they could have raymond holtz (laughs) if they ottawa could ottawa's the one team that could do it and i as much as that would suck to have in our division i i actually encourage them to do it that would be great I would forgive Ottawa for inflicting Eugene Melnick upon us if they gave us Raymond Holtz. I'll say it right now. (laughs) And I know we have some Ottawa fans who listen and they might be shaking their heads, but look, it's the small victories. That's what you have to take. And honestly, my opinion of that has nothing to do with the fact that it means Byfield or Stutzla would slip to the wall. Honestly, it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, no. Maybe. But but maybe. It doesn't hurt. 
Um, okay. We are going to, for the sake of my throat here, um, move over to overtime, unless either of you have any quick hits you want to throw in there. It's after 10 p.m. I absolutely do not. Mm. Oh, I've got, I've actually got a 12 page essay I wanted to read on air right Evan, now. If you ever have a 12 page essay on air, I promise you I will mute myself and mute Brad and you can have as much airtime as you want. That will have to be a Patreon exclusive episode. <laughs> uh, patrons, would you like an Evan only Patreon exclusive episode? I would love that actually. I don't know what I'll talk about. Maybe I'll just turn the mic on and start talking about anything. We've talked, we've joked about it for a while. We should get one of those chess clocks and like on one side it says like 30 minutes and on the other side it says five minutes and me and Brad at most can add up to five and by the end you have to exhaust your entire 30, Evan. Oh no. Yeah. That's my worst nightmare. Uh, Welcome to the show. All right. We're going to move over to overtime here and we're going to start off with Patreon. Um, Our Patreon supporters are the reason we are able to continue this show, especially during uh, quarantine. So thank you all so much. Thank your local friendly Winged Wheel podcast patron. We're going to start with Drunky the Dwarf. Says Mike Green opted out. How does that impact the two seconds we got from Edmonton? The two seconds were for Athens to see you. So that that doesn't affect them, but it does affect the the fourth not becoming a third. And there uh, are no conditions on those seconds at all. The real question is after finishing the Russian five book and the Litstrom book all in a few days, I would like to know which one of the Russian five would you have liked to see play their full career here? This is pretty tricky knowing Konstantinov was one of the best defensemen before he got hurt. I feel like you'll choose Fedorov because the dude was one of the best in the league some years. Kozlov was sick and so was Larionov. But anyways, uh, any way you pick, they're all incredible. Um, I'll, go, I'll go with Konstantinov because we got like all of Fedorov's prime. We did We didn't miss prime Fedorov. Yeah, he would have helped a bit in those late years. He was still a good player, but he wasn't like himself at that point. Uh, I think if we had Konstantinov and I mean, we won in 90, 98, but man, who knows what would have happened in 99, 2000, 2001. Yeah. I love, I love when Doug McLean was like, yeah. And, and Fedorov didn't reach his like full offensive prime. I was like, what else did you want from him? <laughs> like, <laughs> he, he was won- one of the most complete players the Red Wings have ever seen. He won a heart trophy. (laughs) My God, Doug, your expectations may be a bit touch eye. Um, Dylan Krill says, hey, guys, in your opinion, what three teams have the best defensive core? And if the Red Wings swap defense with one of them, would the Red Wings be a playoff team next year? Thanks. No. Uh, Depending on the defensive core. So, God, I got the problem is it's been so long since we watched hockey. I'm legitimately forgetting. Um, a first team that comes to mind is Carolina. I think they mm-hmm. probably have the best defensive core between Hamilton, Pesci, Slavin. Um, I'm forgetting some too, and I know that, but, um, just those three alone make it really, really good. Uh, DeHaan went there, did he not? But uh, yeah, Car- Carolina is probably the top. I mean, I'd be remiss if I didn't at least honorable mention Nashville in this because those every- are the first two that came to mind. But even Nashville's has weakened. It's still good, and it's still upper echelon, but it's not that like crazy elite crew that it used to be. St. Louis is obviously up there. Um, with Dallas, per- honestly, with Heiskanen and Klingberg. Yeah, Dallas is definitely up there. Um, so those are I'd put I'd put Dallas and St. Louis ahead of Nashville. Actually, now I do like a healthy Brent Burns and Eric Carlson too. Yeah, and Vlasic, but. Would I want that in Detroit when all of them are very much on the wrong side of 30? 
I think if uh, you swap, if I could swap with anybody, it would be Carolina. And I do think that makes the Red Wings a playoff team if Bernier keeps playing the way he did. Yeah, if you give the Red Wings any one of those top five teams that we mentioned, then their defense is essentially set. What is the biggest issue? A second line center? Your depth isn't going <laughs> to score. The bottom six. <laughs> yeah. I think, honestly, that that's a, that's a good, that's a hot goaltender away from a playoff berth. And honestly, with these expanded playoffs, hell yeah, they'd be in. Everybody uh, makes it except for a few except, teams. Uh, you Kyle's, get the playoffs and you get the playoffs. Yeah. But like the MLB line proved this year, they can carry the game offensively pretty regularly, actually. So if Zadina doesn't get hurt, if the Fabry trade still happens, I mean, yeah, that's a respectable top six. I mean, you'd have to play them each 30 minutes in a game because the second that bottom six comes on, that that defense, that elite defense is getting a workload. But we're getting that mileage. Uh, Kyle Sanders says, hello, you trebuchet loving fiends. Hockey isn't back yet, but I have a question related to it. Uh, Backstory, I'm dating a Leafs fan, but finding a girl who watches hockey in Southern Ontario who isn't a Leafs fan, who wants to date my lanky ass is a tall order. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, Last part being very relevant. (laughs) We had tickets to the Wings Leafs game in March before I got shit canned. Uh, Anyways, she made the ultimate declaration last night that we're going to watch all of the Leafs games together. Since I've been deprived of hockey the way a waterboarded person is deprived of air i'm on board for it but i'm considering getting a blue jackets t-shirt jerseys are expensive dude out of spite so she knows which side of the ice i'm on should i pull the trigger and purchase one or not yeah that or a shirt with just john tortorella's face on it nope 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 you got this all wrong you want the leafs to beat columbus what you need to do is get a boston bruins t-shirt and an alexi lafreniere t-shirt so you can see what's going to beat the Leafs and what the Leafs aren't getting. I'm happy I was on mute there so you guys couldn't hear me choking on my uh, my drink as Brad said that. Uh, for those who are watching on YouTube, no, that's not like a fancy blue drink. That's literally just Gatorade to replenish my electrolytes. Um, sorry, I mean power drink, no free ads. Currently writing this before or uh, currently writing this before the steering Grand Prix, so I can't comment on that. So Ryan, sum up your top five favorite moments Brad, feel free to chip in if you're hop if you've hopped onto the bandwagon. If you're having trouble getting into it, the Netflix series is F1 Drive to Survive. is It's a great introduction to the support uh, to sport. I'm sure it's a terrific documentary. I promise you, I'm not going to watch it. Um, P.S. Legalize ass eating. <laughs> you can go ahead, Evan. The one thing I realized about F1 for the brief moment I watched it on TV was how good the production is in terms of television watching like they have camera angles everywhere on the yes. cars and it's like instant and like they they get you into the team's like comms and whatnot yeah. it's crazy and like when there's problems with the cars they like they have team members of those teams come on to the broadcast and give updates like it's the viewing experience is unreal and there, there's no other sport quite like it I but know, I'll never watch F1. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because like if you if you ask a lot of F1 fans, they hate how it's presented. They have so many qualms with it. And like as a hockey fan, I'm like, yo, they're interviewing pretty much the head coach as his like 
his uh, premier driver just had to retire from the race due to a crash. Like, that's amazing. Or, like, they have the team radio where they're like, Lewis Hamilton is screaming or something. I'm like, you never get that with hockey. So, it's funny, that perspective. We just have the reporters, like, walking through the players on the bench, just putting the mic in front of the coach. And they're like, oh, hello, hello. And it's awful. Uh, Lonnie Zone says, hey, guys, it was great to hear the interview with Doug McLean, and not only because it was a good reminder that we're not alone and feeling screwed by the draft lottery process. It made me think about the job of a GM, too. As a fan, I think of a GM as a person whose job it is to put together the talent to eventually win a championship. But maybe I need to consider more the fact that they're managing a business that needs to make money. For example, I'm all for Brad's suggestion to not pick up any free agents and the point that even the overpriced uh, contracts would still make the team better anyway. But maybe that's not consistent with uh, the team's plans to make a certain amount of money on, uh, for the season. It also probably explains the mandate placed on Holland to keep the team playoff viable, even as we saw the looming disaster we're, coming, we're in coming as a result. It probably wasn't really about keeping the streak alive, perhaps for Mike Illich, but more likely about keeping a ticket-buying fan base engaged while moving into a pricey new building that would require revenue ASAP. Anyways, it's not something uh, I think about the basic business side of the job and i should probably do it more curious your thoughts and thanks again for not only this awesome podcast but this community you've built up glad to be a part of it oh that last line made my heart smile thank you oh uh so it it is funny you mentioned that because um one of the widely believed things with the gms why a lot of the nhl is cyclical with uh the same gms going through is because a lot of these guys are great at managing up not down, dealing with the vice president, dealing with the owner. Uh, that was the big rumor about Peter Shirelli. His hockey decisions were terrible, but apparently he was terrific at managing up, um, factoring in the finances, communicating with the owner, that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, we, we're sitting here and saying, yeah, oh, it's easy to take on Louis Erickson's contract. We should. But Chris Illich goes, yeah, I'm not giving you $12 million for a dead player. No. Are you kidding me? That is very much in the realm of possibility. So we could have the greatest trade in the world in front of us. And Illich will go, yeah, no, we are not even close to selling out this rink. COVID's ruined everything. We are not throwing money away. And it's Steve Eiserman's job to then convince him, yeah, we'll take a hit over the next two years, but this team, this move helps make us a winner. And it's not, you don't have to be a savvy business person to know when you're winning, the building is filled. Yeah. And the point about anticipating the new arena is I think a really key one there. And that's, it holds true. Like it costs money not all private money and that's a different story but yeah the illiches were definitely trying to build up to that as well so um ideally for them this team would have been competitive by this point but if they wanted that to be the case they would have had to have had the foresight probably five years sooner than they did because then this team might be coming out of a rebuild at the time where they just stepped into the new arena um steve e says hello it seems that pav uh that theory about Pav being holed up in a Russian monastery was not true. Um, he just signed an extension with his uh, hometown team. Side topic, exercise and working out. I've been crushing it at home with nothing more than two 40-pound dumbbells, a 70-pound kettlebell, 60-pound weight vest, and a heavy punching bag. What have you all done to stay in shape during quarantine? P.S. Brad, no complaining about being tired. I'm 32 with an 8-year-old and a 6-year-old and haven't worked less than 12 hours since March 6th. P.P.S., thanks for continuing to turn out the content through the pandemic. Listen, man, I never said I was the only one with two young kids here. Uh, <laughs> well, you are here. You are here. Uh, Brad, did you know Evan and I, between the two of us, have zero kids? Yes. Four now. 
I'm just going to start throwing that in there at the end of everyone until it comes. <laughs> Do it all you want, man. Mel and I are very much on the same page about this. She won't even get a cat. I keep trying to jokingly ask for a cat. I don't really want one, but I just think they're hilarious, and she won't even take that. Hard dog <laughs> enough. Uh, to stay fit, not enough, man. I have not been doing enough. I have a little boy body now because <laughs> I can't work out at the gym, so I just look like a 14-year-old boy. Um, little I, pudgy dumpling Buddha body. Yeah, a little milk bag. I uh, I worked for gyms for so long that I, I never invested in any home workout equipment. So I've basically had to limit myself to body weight stuff and cardio, which uh, for the record, I hate cardio more than I hate anything else on the face of this earth. So I've been doing a lot of inline because that makes it tolerable. And I mean, body weight. Uh, legging core stuff mostly honestly i don't have many other options plus just follow mika around for a day that's all the cardio anybody needs you have kids you know um garrett tv says hockey amigos where do you stand regarding background noise during the fanless games i really like the idea of silence so we can simply hear the raw play but i've heard conversations from tsn folks about the idea of a little background music as well i've also really up uh, warmed up to a light background music idea how about fake fan noise i'm vehemently against the fan noise idea it kind of works in soccer as sort of white noise but then again every time there's a fake reaction to an exciting play i just feel insulted by it really hoping for silence or music can't recall if we discussed this before Everything is real, nothing is real, and time no longer exists. Oh, also, I'd pay a not insignificant sum to have a ginger ale with Doug McLean and Mickey. Oh, but for the stories, let's go Red Wings. I mean, I am i can't even comment. I don't know if I'll like it or not, because on one hand, it feels weird that it'll be silent and it might be uncomfortable, or I might love it. I don't know. And filled in noise could be great. It could be terrible, depending on how it's done. So... I know this is a long lot of words for basically a non-answer, but yeah, I, I hope that they try everything in the play-in round. Just try it and and see what works. Yeah, I don't really, I, I don't want to come out against it because I had the same experience where I heard a soccer game. I'm like, it, it actually worked okay, but soccer fan noise is a little bit different. Like it's kind of white noise. I would always prefer to just hear the players on the ice, but I'm, I know I'm a little weirdo like that. For what it's worth, I think I saw a post on Twitter like five minutes before we started recording this where the Rangers, I believe it was, sent out a thing requesting their fans to send in videos like chanting Henrik, Henrik, or bread man, bread man, and a bunch of other things like that. So they clearly have a plan for what they want to do whenever the Rangers are deemed the home team in their game. But yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, I am super curious. Uh, Carol Wise says, Hey, hi guys. Since my comment last week got not so mysteriously deleted, <clears throat> Ryan, I'm going to re-ask it. It was a legitimate question for once. I know you guys have been talking quite a bit about the salary cap. So hopefully you didn't cover this in the episode with the cap space now being, an, be, being an even bigger issue for most teams. How do you think this affects players slash free agents looking to sign generally inexpensive, inexpensive contracts? Examples, Perlini and Golubev, maybe a fourth line Swedish sentiment struggling to create cap space on a defending Stanley Cup champion roster. No one specific just a hypothetical of course <clears throat> deal rose um obviously cap space is extremely valuable but do these players hold an advantage because they're cheaper or do you think teams will look past players like this in favor of someone who brings more value to the team rather than using a precious cap space for a low impact player 
I, I I honestly don't know because I think it's fascinating. I keep looking at Taylor Hall and what's going to happen to him because he probably had dreams of a $10, $11 million contract and this lower cap, basically all but guarantees that will not happen. So I think teams are going to negotiate down from the top. So I, I don't think it's going to affect the fourth liners at all. I think it's more going to impact the guys at the top of the roster who where the teams are going to be like, yeah. So we thought we'd have $12 million in cap space. Now we have nine. So sorry, Taylor, we will offer you nine. I think you're ultimately going to see a benefit to those guys like for two reasons. One, teams who have the cap space to kind of leverage into taking bad contracts. They're not going to – those aren't teams that are in a position to compete. So they're not trying to sign better free agents. Uh, they're more looking for warm bodies to fill. So they'll sign league minimum guys like Dilla Rose or N or whatever. Evan Lobsinger is probably going to be signed on for 800000 pretty soon. Yep. Uh, Confirmed. Um, you heard it here first. And all – yeah, I have an inside source. It's Evan's mom. She's lovely. Say hi to Martha, by the way. It's been a Will while. Do. Um, the, and the other side is like these cup contending teams are up against the cap. They're going to need players, but they won't be able to afford fancy ones because they have too many fancy ones already. So they're going to get league minimum guys. So yeah, I think ultimately it's going to benefit them. Uh, Jeremy Dahl says, Hey, winged wheel boys, appreciate you getting Ryan to read our stuff here. It sure makes his, uh, this personal and fun. So good news. The rad girl, uh, who's Christian AF, he says, is letting me call her my girlfriend now. So this is an important question. Suggestions on how to get a girl with no interest in hockey into a shitty rebuilding team. She obviously has to become a Red Wings fan. So any tips or tricks into getting her interested, go ahead, use all of your cunning. Thanks, boys. Um, buy apparel, first of all, uh, for emotional manipulation. That's always a good way to do it. No negative energy. You got to treat this like I've been treating it with my kids. Because uh, again, I have no shame admitting uh, I will support my children in whatever they want to do in life, but I really want to get them in hockey. So when I'm watching the Red Wings, I will point out all the good things they do, and I will cheer super loud and over the top and act insanely happy when they score. And when they get scored on, it's just like stone face. Um, have that same attitude. Also, depending what she's into, if she's like, if she likes UFC, show her fight night at the Joe. If she's super squeamish against fighting, just show her like, skill highlights like figure out what she likes and like you know youtube's a thing cherry pick what she's exposed to evan is cat a hockey fan nope but <laughs> she'll it. she'll do the things if if we have to it's nice of her uh, uh michael barry says hi guys hope all is well all right brad ryan and evan feel free to chime in as well why do you have lucas raymond over cole perfetti i know lucas raymond has better skating and is a really good defender something perfetti lacks for now just from my perspective perfetti's lack of speed and skating is made up by his thinking and ability to slow the game down also i'm worried about raymond's next level scoring ability while compared to perfetti's shooting ability anyways have a good one p.s both players need to bulk up but perfetti more so um, without getting into the nuances, I'll, I'll go for my two broad points. One, Lucas Raymond, longer track record. He has been dummying um, players uh, much older than him in every international tournament he's played in. He dummied the Swedish Junior League when he was in it. It's hard to compare their seasons this year because, yeah, Perfetti, Perfetti had a better statistical season, but that's because the league Raymond was playing in was significantly better. Um, and two, Raymond plays fast. And I'm, I'm a big, big fan of that. Like, uh, it's a skill to be able to slow the game down like Perfetti does. So it's not necessarily a knock against him, but I always favor the player who can do all the things they do quickly, rapid response, high pace, high intensity. And, and 
I would almost argue there's not a player in this draft who does that better than Lucas Raymond. He's he's always moving out there. He's always trying to make something happen. He's always dancing around the ice. Like again, I know it's simplistic and I don't love player comparisons, but like the more I watch Lucas Raymond, the more I see Mitch Marner. So when you have that combination of skill, processing ability, and being able to do it quickly, always gets the edge in my book. Honestly, the points that you made, uh, Michael, in that post are exactly why I'm kind of like diving back into the books clips, but you know what I mean, uh, about this. Cause those are, they're, they're fair points. And I think the biggest one for me that could flip Perfetti up in my mind is the whole pace of play thing. If he really is that skilled at slowing the game down and can adjust at the NHL level with that, cause he'll have to rely heavily on his skill to be able to do that because the NHL is not a forgiving league in terms of giving time and space. And we saw that when Philip Zadina came into the league because he did not have the time he needed to shoot initially. Um, but if he, he can translate that at the NHL level, yeah, that does bump him up a lot in my mind. Um, cause the way he thinks the game is fantastic, but my initial inclination, like Brad said, to have skill and to have pace and to be able to combine those two things, you're it's almost one of those foolproof things where like evan mentions this a lot it's one of those attributes where it's going to translate at the nhl level like by all rights unless something goes terribly wrong like that's something that's kind of like nhl proof um but subject to change of course rc tendy says red seats or black seats people are going to point out how empty the arena is however the red seats were so much better now would be the perfect time for the lca to do what's right and put the red seats back in they have the time since the schedule is empty if you want to sign the petition visit my twitter page and follow the link from the pinned tweet maybe if enough people sign they'll follow through i think i retweeted it from the podcast account as well um steve lang says hey gents first thank you for continuing the pod full time while the world falls apart we already we were already in hard times as wings fans so seriously thank you for feeding our hockey slash red wings passions during all of this much appreciated because of that i'm a first-time patreon supporter hey steve Welcome to the Dub Dub family. Thank you for the support. I've uh, been listening since last summer and happy to finally start supporting. Wish I can give you guys more, but I need that cash for my weekly golf rounds. Evan will know what that's like. Um, that totally understand just by way of Evan. I want to ask about the Jack Eichel Buffalo situation from a few weeks ago and compare a situation to Stevie Y. My namesake, by the way. Oh, nice. Uh, and the Dead Wings. Everyone is talking about how terrible of a position Buffalo is in and how Jack is an elite player deserves to move to a better team since he's given so much to them through his early career. How does this his situation compare to Stevie Wise when he was drafted by a terrible Red Wings team? Uh, they were both great players and leaders coming into the league slash their team. So why do people think that Jack deserves to be on a better team? Do people say that about Stevie or is this just an outcome of how the time uh, and game has changed since uh, over the years? Oh, yes. Stevie was almost traded straight up for Alexi Yashin in the early 90s. Believe me, this happened to Iserman. It's uh, not uncommon. The only real difference between now and back then was time. Um, Players were under team control for a lot longer in the 80s and 90s than they are now because now it's what Jack Eichel. I, I know he signed the extension, but for the most part, teams only control a player for seven years. Um, but Eichel obviously signed an eight-year extension, so they got a few extra years out of him. But Stevie couldn't have left the Red Wings outside of a trade until his thirties. So patience was an option for him, whether he wanted it or not, because he did not hold any cards in that scenario. Um, Eichel holds a lot of the cards, so you know it's it's just the changing of the times 
Steve goes on to say, from my point of view, for young leaders, elite players like Jack and Stevie, there's an unspoken code in the game for draft loyalty. Then if their team never turns around or reaches a cup throughout their career, they can pull the Ray Bork slash Dominic Hasek move and spend their last few years with the contender solely to get their cup, as those great players um, at that point deserve to do. I just don't think Jack is anywhere near that point. Thanks again, boys, and let's go Red Wings. Um, Hassam Al-Kassem says, uh, I've never been more excited for August, usually my least favorite month because no hockey. Uh, also, the uh, person who put together the, the Doug McLean interview. So thank you for linking us. Uh, shout out to Hassam for that one. I've been meaning to um, do that. We lost it in an audio loss on one episode, and then I've forgotten twice now. So thank you for reminding me. And this also doesn't count. I will give it to you. I'll give you a proper shout out at the beginning of an episode soon. Uh, but Hassam, thank you. Uh, if you guys want someone to come on the Wind Wheel podcast, tweet at them, or if you know someone, shoot them a message. Uh, that's mostly how this stuff happens. So thank you for that. Uh, CNOD says, hey, guys, thanks for getting my question. Uh, I agree about uh, 15 is where I'd put Heronic as well. However, you didn't answer the second question. That's hypothetical. If we pick Drysdale and he pans out, would we see Heronic on the move since his stock is really high right now? Uh, other than that, give us a mid to late red around Red Wings pick over the last two or three years that we're pretty high on. We need some of those to hit uh, to move the rebuild along. Thanks for the great podcast. No, we will not move Heronic because we don't have enough defensemen. We We have to keep the good ones. We don't have the luxury of not... Um, and mid to late round pick that we're high on. Um, I'm still on the Robert Master Simone bandwagon until he does something to prove otherwise. Um, what else? Do, who? Let me think of last draft. Not Grava. Uh, Carter Guylander is a seventh round pick who could turn out as a goalie. Um, Soderblom. Soderblom, yeah, is another really good one. Um, Johansson. Yep. Cooper Moore had a pretty decent uh, season in the BC. Cooper Moore is one of those ones. He was drafted in the fifth and he was drafted from high school. And uh, he was one where the U.S. scouts were like really banging the table for him. So that's one that still could have some potential to be like a huge steal. Joseph Fournier says, choo-choo, all aboard the Mason Raymond train. Oh, wait a minute. minute. Let me check my notes. (laughs) Oh, crap. Stay fresh cheese bags. That's going to mess me up. I'm already mixing up Alex Holtz and Raymond Holtz. So uh chris smith says lucas raymond fact in 2019 raymond scored three goals including the ot winner in the under 18 gold medal game to make that more impressive those goals were scored against yaroslav askarov who some scouts say is the best goalie prospect since Carey price makes uh make a trade make sense for brock besser for me i love bessie on the wings but i don't think he would take us out of the bottom of the league but it would be nice to have a guy play with sedina that isn't geo smith i'm sure we would have taken on all their bad contracts but that still probably wouldn't be enough right let me down easy well we talked about it earlier and it, it would it would make the team better and and you're going to look for incremental moves to make this team better it's not going to be a silver bullet so that's the argument in favor um so if i if you want to use all stuff that's very tangible right now i would say a besser trade right now would be brock besser and louis erickson for pick 32 and jared mckisaac would be our best case scenario uh james phoenix says good day lads well my football team in england narrowly missed out on promotion having played for them uh a bit way back in the day so a tough week much plus after much deliberation i believe that lucas raymond could well go to three at, uh go at three to ottawa if he starts hot in the shl and stutzel will drop to us at four just a feeling anyway on to more important topics who is your most underrated uh favorite red wing going back max of 30 years 
minor Slava Kozlov, who is so unbelievably talented, but was totally overshadowed in the company he kept. Maltby, who played hard and gritty, got under the skin of many and scored some huge goals for us. Maltz blocking three shots without a stick back in 02 against St. Louis on the way to the cup is a great memory of mine watching him as a kid and epitomized the way he played. I'm going 2007 to 2011 Valtteri Filppula. My favorite player of all time is Brendan Shanahan, and I think people forget that he was one of the last true power forwards in my mind. Um, Larry Onoff, I think it's easy for people to forget why he was called a professor. Um, I feel like we talk about uh, like the Red Wings almost like all like I don't think there's a Red Wing that we've underrated because we just all we really talk about. I don't know, Ivan. Who's your most underrated favorite Red Wing going back thirty years at most? Oh my God. Putting me on the spot. I was reading up about something with warrior hockey. Um, no free ads though. Uh, <laughs> underrated. I feel like I feel like Kirk Malpe probably gets underrated. He's kind of third fiddle on the grind line a little bit. Um, maybe even Chris Osgood. Even though I've said I've been on the other side of the fence a long time. But yeah, you, maybe Chris Osgood. You're winning some fans with that one. Lastly, what's your go-to out of Indian, Chinese, Italian, or Thai food? I'm a sucker for a well-made chicken tikka uh, madras and mushroom saffron rice as it goes. Cheers, boys, as always, and continue to trust the Iser plan. And hashtag play up Pompey. Oh, that's tough. It's a. am t- torn between Indian and Thai, but I'll, there's this one really good Thai restaurant near uh, my place here. So tiebreaker goes to the the closest option the tiebreaker oh yeah buddy um there's a lot of crossover between indian food and the middle eastern food i grew up on not like totally but enough where it's like i definitely i love it but i'll always value getting something a little bit more unique i just love a good pasta my favorite restaurant in kit in like the town that we're in is uh like a little hole in the wall italian restaurant so that's it for me I think if if all things are equal, I'm probably Indian food. I for some reason it's regardless of where I get it, it's always way too spicy. But it's just so good <laughs> that I'm like I'm drenched in sweat. I sweat when I have spicy food. I'm just drenched in sweat. But I'm like it's so hot I can't eat anymore. But it's so good that I keep eating. It's terrible. Is but your, it's just so good. Is your spice tolerance really low, or like kosher salt is? A I bit used to too have like. I used to have really good spice tolerance and then maybe a couple of years ago, I just lost it, but I still eat spicy food. I'm like, uh, it's still so good, but I just sit there sweating, <laughs> literally just drenched in sweat. Uh, Darren Helms, Stan Club, Stan says, good day, dud duds, conspiracy theory time. The Montreal Owen fours have had multiple players test positive for COVID-19 and they are wisely keeping Max Domi away for now. This is clearly a deliberate ploy to ensure they get a 12.5% chance at that Alexi uh alex laferriere wannabe don't try and debunk this either remember last week when someone asked you what was the most canadian thing you've ever done and literally none of you said made a podcast about hockey oh wow yeah Yeah. no one ever accused us of being smart oh yeah hockey which lower ranked play-in team do you think has the best chance to go deep into the playoffs please show your workings um, the New York Rangers have the deepest goaltending and an insane group of forwards if their defense can just be competent, which is a big ask for that group. But if they can, 
I mean, between Sabenajad and Panarin and Kreider and everybody else in that forward group, they could make some noise. And it only takes one of uh, Shesterkin, Georgiev, or Lundqvist to get hot. I'll give that one to New York as well, purely for the reason of, of having three high-end goaltenders. The biggest thing you can, uh, the biggest asset you can have as a playoff team who's making a run for the cup is a hot goalie. So if you have three shots at that, um, even better. Uh, plus, they'll have to get past Carolina, right? And they swept the season series against Carolina. And Carolina is no joke. So that's a great proof of concept for them. Um, I won't say Chicago. I won't say Minnesota. I won't say Arizona. I could, I could see Arizona. The the Jackets maybe, but that's I think a, a little bit more of me. I just wanting them to go far. Well, um, the nine seed. So yeah. Jersey time. Not sure if you'll genuinely have an answer here, but favorite jersey manufacturer over time, Nike. I'll never forgive Reebok for piping, and I always have an aversion to the current jersey manufacturer because one reason or another. So I'll probably be a little harsh on Adidas, although I don't mind the dimpled shoulders. But yeah, I think Nike is the classic for me. Yeah, I'm not thinking of any reason to dethrone Nike. Reebok was responsible for the piping piping apocalypse, so they go to hell for that. Adidas, I don't mind. Um, I, I, for the most part, liked what they've done. Um, so in a few years, I could see them overtaking Nike for me. But Nike was responsible for the um, silly season we had in the 90s. So I'll always appreciate that. Um, okay, we have time for some Reddit comments here. Uh, this one's from B Nags says, Hey guys, and you listen to the podcast. So I'm not sure if you've covered this in the past. Well, welcome to the show and hope you enjoy it. Uh, curious what your thoughts are on Giovanni Smith. Can he be a guy like Bertuzzi and come in and make, make a big impact? Or is he probably just another fourth liner? Never paid much attention to him, but he looks good uh, with the Griffins, uh, especially with the highlights I've been watching lately. My read on Giovanni Smith is uh, before I had him probably pegged as a career AHLer who just popped up from time to time. He worked a lot on his skating, which was probably his biggest uh, downside. And with what I saw from him this year, I think he he can staple himself into the the bottom of the Red Wings roster as like a, a really solid energy guy who can maybe do some things. Um, I don't think he'll be a Bertuzzi type. He doesn't have that kind of offensive talent, but I don't think it's anything to scoff at someone who's a good fourth liner on this team. Cause though this team has a lot of fourth liners, not all of them are necessarily even good at that. Yeah. I, before this season, I, I didn't think of him much as a thought for a regular NHLer. I, I'm still on the low end of that, but yeah, I, I think he, I don't know if I think now he could be a good fourth liner because I think he could be a good fourth liner in the NHL or just because this team has really brought down my expectation as to what a fourth liner is. Uh, from Russell 18 says, what do you, what would you think about taking on Derek Stepan's contract from Arizona? He could have a reasonable impact and be a good center between Zadina and Fabry. And we'd still likely receive a pick slash prospect in exchange for taking that six and a half million on how many years left. I will look that up for you now. Six Uh, and a half is doable. I like the player. And if it's anything more than two years, it's going to be a no. Yeah, I definitely like the player, but it, it all comes down to term here. Sorry, I'm just going to look up Arizona. What is going on? Oh, they have the highest. Jeez, they have no cap space. Derek, step on uh, this year and next. I would happily take that on. Oh, yeah. Time. But Arizona is probably trying to make a run the next two years, so I don't see them giving up a player that could help. Um, okay, Evan, pick a number from one to five. Five. Um. 
cross crease pass says welcome to or remember the Nyquist hype in 2014 good memories gus looked like a rising star he still turned out to be a solid top six guy but i wonder how things would have turned out if he met those early expectations gus Nyquist would be would have a much more prominent career and would be remembered a lot more fondly not that he's not looked back on fondly i hurt when gus got traded but if he was part of that like 02 to 09 red wing team oh man he would have had all the talent in the world to play with Imagine what Gus Nyquist could have been if Mike Babcock never coached the Red Wings. He, well, would, I still will never forgive the team for how uh, m- how they mishandled him early in his career, and then he finally comes up, absolutely pops off, and then still plays on the second line, reduced minutes, you know, with some boating. It's it was mm, disappointing. W- with that, we're going to wrap up this episode. I'm sorry if we couldn't get your question, um, but it is Brad's bedtime. Uh, we'd like to thank all of our listeners, our patrons. Thank you all so much for, for supporting the show. Our name level sponsors, the septic tank of that bitch, Carol Baskins, Greach, Jeremiah Dobo, Jake Kiefer, Drunky the Dwarf, Arjun Shanker, Brad Smith, Andrew Bohan, Scott Martin, Jacob Turner, Matt McKay, Brandon M., Matthew M. Rice, Luke Johnson, Clayton Van Dyken, Kalen Wood, Hassam Alkasem. Thank you again man charlie elkins hana lee birthday boy trev chris ripley alex ott ashley van conant chris frank connor leighton danny jr matthew keeler simon anderson antonio gracias john evans k was stan olson thank you all so much um i hope i'm around for next episode i'll see you then thanks for tuning in to the winged wheel podcast be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com where you can subscribe to the show on itunes spotify or wherever you get your podcasts you'll also find links to other ways to support the show such as patreon official podcast apparel and more and don't forget to follow the show on twitter at winged wheel pod and of course the hosts at brad crisco at ryan hannah wwp and at hockey town evan